0: Here is love that's prayer yeah.
1: Okay, seriously, is there any other place you would rather be than here on a Saturday evening? Oh my goodness, I needed that. Wow, my my soul is rejoicing and it's just a pleasure to worship alongside of you, Christian Assembly. Thank you so much for being who you are and for worshiping the Lord with all that you have and for leaning in. We just love being here with you. My name is Marvin, one of the pastors on staff here. And I'm still a little shaken up by that worship time, but it's just been really powerful to worship alongside of you this evening. Um, If you are new, if you are visiting, thank you for joining us. Welcome. I hope you've enjoyed that worship time as well. Um, Just want to say thank you for being with us. In fact, uh, we would love to get to know you. And uh, there's a little connection card that's in the seat right in front of you. You can grab that connection card, fill that out. Let us know that you're here by dropping in the offering bag. We want to follow up with you. We want to connect with you. We want to tell you about our church. We want to pray for you. All of those things. You can also take that connection card. You can take it back in the lobby. There's a new people's table back there. We have a free gift for you uh, tonight as a way of saying thank you for being with us. And if you are joining us online, want to say welcome to you as well. Thank you so much for being with us before I knock over the podium here. Well, um, on your way in, you've got an RSVP card for Easter. Would you grab that? Hopefully you didn't sit on it, but grab that so you can track with me as I uh, tell you great things that are happening on Easter weekend here at Christian Assembly. Can you believe it's coming? It's right around the corner. Easter is almost here, and we're excited to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus alongside of you. Uh, It's going to be a great weekend. Some instruction for you. We're going to be having services on Saturday, March 30th. And those service times are gonna be 4 p.m. right here in this South Sanctuary. I talk to people all the time and they still ask me, where's the South, where's the North? Currently, you are sitting in the South Sanctuary. So, 4 p.m. right here in the South Sanctuary, only at 4 p.m. 6.30 p.m., we're gonna be having services here in the South and on the North Sanctuary, which is directly across the street inside the building there in the North Sanctuary. So, 6.30 p.m., both South and North. Um, on Sunday, March 31st, which is Easter Sunday, service times are going to be 9 a.m. here in the South Sanctuary and in the North Tent. See, I'm introducing a new venue for you. The North Tent is a fantastic venue. I've been there the last few Easters. It's in the parking lot behind the North Sanctuary. If you've never checked out the North Tent, I encourage you check out the North Tent this year. Um, So that's at 9 a.m. And then at 11.30, we're going to be having services in all three venues, South Sanctuary, North Sanctuary, and North Tent. Again, the North Tent is a great opportunity for you to experience worship in a kind of an outdoor environment on Easter Sunday. It's really, really cool. So – here's what we're asking of you. And really, we're asking, praying that you consider joining us to be able to host well on Easter weekend. you know when you have someone over your house and you want to host them well, you you put out a spread, it's kind of a banquet, you give them the seat of honor. That's what we want to do to those people that are going to be coming on Easter weekend. We want them to feel special and welcome. And so the way you can help us to host Easter well here at Christian Assembly is this. If you have kids, we're asking that you choose one of the service times here on the south side of the street, as all of our kids' church programming is going to be happening here on the south side of the street. If you don't have kids, or if your kids are beyond kids' church age, so middle school, high school kids, um, or a little bit older, we're asking that you would consider joining us on the north side of the street, either in the North Sanctuary or in that fabulous North Tent that I keep telling you about. It really is that great. Really, really, we know that our first-time visitors are most likely going to come here on the south side and most likely probably going to come on Sunday. And so we're asking that you choose uh, one of the service times on the north side of the street and possibly if you can build it into your schedule come on Saturday evening. So if you've not yet filled out that Easter RSVP card that's in your hand right now, I'm going to invite you to take a look at it and consider what service time you might be joining us on Easter weekend. Again, we want to host those that will be coming, including you, including your family, including your friends, and all those that you're inviting well. And so that card helps us to do that. Um, Also on that card there, you're going to see a space for you to volunteer with us to be part of our kids' church team as well as our welcome team. And so we need all the help we can get to help host well on Easter weekend. So would you grab that card right now and fill that out as I talk I'm going to talk a little slower, so you're grabbing a pen right now, you're filling it out, maybe you're talking to the person that you came with, hey, what service time should we come, that north tent sounds pretty cool, yeah, let's do that, okay, let's fill that out, put our information on there, you see, it's subtle subtle hints, subtle suggestions that I'm throwing your way, but really, 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 we're going to have an amazing weekend, Easter's going to be fantastic, and all of our venues are going to have live teaching, live worship, so really wherever you end up celebrating Easter with us, you're going to experience the wonder that is the resurrected Jesus. And so we cannot wait to celebrate Easter with you. So you can drop that RSVP card in the offering bag as it comes around in a little bit if uh, you fill that out. A couple other things. Uh, We are hosting a time called Conversations About Jesus. That's going to be happening Thursday nights at 7 p.m., at Lucky Baldwin's in Pasadena, and uh, it really is just that, a space to have conversations about Jesus. There's going to be discussions about his relevance today and how Jesus impacts our lives, so please bring someone that may have questions about who Jesus is or any question related to faith. We want to have those conversations with you. Again, Thursday nights in the month of March at Lucky Baldwin's in Pasadena. RCA singles group is for those that are 35 and older. And they're going to be meeting on Thursday, February 29th at 6.30 p.m. It's a chance for those of you that might be in that demographic to come and connect with others in a relaxed setting and hear an encouraging word from the Lord. And so please make it a point to come out Thursday, February 29th. Well, we're going to transition into our time of worship by giving of uh, Lord of our tithes and offerings. And as we do, we just want to read from scripture with us. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so this is another way that we continue in our time of worship. If you are new or visiting, feel no no obligation to our CA family. Just want to say thank you for your amazing and ongoing generosity. And before our caller ushers forward, would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. Even as we've worshipped you by singing these powerful songs, Lord, we also get to worship you in a real practical way by offering of our tithes and offerings, Lord. We just pray that you would bless us and meet us in our place of worship as you already have. We can sense your presence even now with us, Lord. So thank you for that. We pray for Easter weekend as it's fast approaching. We just pray that all those that would come would feel blessed, Lord, and encouraged by hearing the power and hope that comes in your resurrection, Jesus. And so we thank you. For all that you do, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Ushers, you may come, and as you do, I'm going to introduce Matt.
2: Well, great to be with my church family. Uh, I want to welcome you. My name's Matt. And to anyone uh, joining us online, as well as to my church family across the street, uh, welcome to you as well. There's a proverb in the Bible that says, Good news, even from far away is like cold water to the thirsty. Jesus came and said that he announced good news about the kingdom of God, life with God, that was not far away but was at hand, was near enough to reach out and to receive it. And the kingdom, that way of life with God, is one of our core values of Christian assembly and uh, we, we seek to make known that message of God's love and life that is, is made available to each one of us. We seek to make it known locally and internationally. And once a month, we set aside time for a kingdom update. Uh, and in just a moment, a chance to give together an additional offering to support these kingdom efforts that Christian Assembly is uh, Involved in, and I, I want to tell you about uh, one of our kingdom partners. Highlight uh, what God is doing in the nation of Tanzania through Peter and Tammy Russell and their work with their organization called Wild Hope. Uh, they they live. Their kind of uh, home base is is in a remote part of Tanzania among the Maasai people, who they've been serving for many many years. Uh, bringing the gospel to those people as well as equipping the Maasai people to bring the message of the gospel to other unreached people. And for many years, the Russells struggled to get good water, clean water, to their home base, to their location. And many of their neighbors around them also struggle uh, to find and access clean water. In fact, they've drilled for water on three different occasions over the years. Never, never have been able to find it. Recently, a friend of Peter's uh, had been praying, and sensed that God was encouraging them to try once more. And so Peter and Tammy uh, found a way to purchase some nearby land and took the risk to purchase that land to drill there and there's a video uh, that i want you to see that tells the rest of the story
3: water is life seven years ago some good friends of ours helped us bring water the first clean water to unkewa in maasai land and recently they said can we do it again do you have another project and i said yes we need water here on the wild hope land but not only that our neighbors are very dry and have to go with motorcycles to bring water. So we found a plot of land up on the mountain and we met together and we prayed. You see rivers of living
4: water flowing below this that bring real water to people's lives and they will come to know
0: the water of life, the true water of life, Jesus Christ.
3: And we found that river underneath the ground just like we prayed. Now we're, with the help of some other friends, we're bringing that water four miles down to the Wild Hope base. And we're going to distribute it to our neighbors down here who have a very, very dry environment. Thank you for praying with us that as we bring the natural water to our neighbors, they too would come to know the living water of Jesus Christ.
2: And so just in a moment, we're going to pray for the Russells and pray that God would use that opportunity of that good drinking water uh, to bring the message of his hope and the message of the gospel near to people, um, that it might change their lives. Many different opportunities throughout this year for all of us to participate in our kingdom value together. In fact, in the lobby, on your way out, I want to encourage you to pick up one of these. It's a little card. that says, Kingdom on it. And on the back are dates for each month of the year, letting you know about an opportunity to either serve along with our kingdom ministry or to be equipped in an equipping seminar um, or conference so that you too can live a life of uh, of God's kingdom. Uh, the next outreach event, in fact, is March 23rd. That's a Saturday, um, and it's going to be a Hope Gardens Easter outreach. That's an event for women and children who are experiencing homelessness, and we're just looking for volunteers who would go and love on and care for those people uh, before Easter. Uh, we also are looking for anybody who would set aside some time on March 16th to help assemble some Easter baskets for that event. So if that's something that you have some time for, it can make time for, uh, you can sign up, you can register on our website for that. Um, But throughout the year, there are going to be many, many opportunities. I encourage you to take one of those cards home uh, and pray and ask the Lord what you might participate in. We're also going to be going internationally on three, or excuse me, six different international trips. Um, Some uh, of those trips are going to go to Central Asia, the Dominican Republic, the Czech Republic, Kenya, as well as Mexico. So lots of opportunities this year for us to participate together. Uh, Before the ushers come to to receive our kingdom offering that we give together in just a moment, let me pray and uh, join me if you would. Let's pray for the Russells and for all that God is doing. Well, Lord, we do thank you that you are a God who Hears us when we pray. You are a God who answers prayer. And Lord, sometimes you answer the first time. Sometimes, Lord, you answer after years of prayer. But God, out of that, Lord, you produce a testimony, a story of your power, of how Peter and Tammy took a risk, a step of faith, and they found that you were faithful and that you provided that water. Lord, I thank you that it will not only bless the Russells, but it will bless all the neighbors around them. God, that is such a picture of your kingdom come in our lives. May it be true of us at Christian Assembly that all the blessing you pour into our lives, God, gets shared with all those around us and impacts the city in the world lord we trust you to do that would you do it also with the the gifts that we give together and we pray this in jesus mighty name and together we say amen ushers you may come well it is great to be with you if you're
5: a visitor or guest my name is tom what an honor and a privilege to have you here among us. wanna welcome those of you joining us online as well as those of you joining us at the 1115 North. Great to be with you as well. Well, we are continuing on in a series that we started a couple weeks ago entitled Save the Date where we're talking about real talk about relationships, marriage, and uh, sex as well. And this weekend, I have brought my wife with me and we're gonna be digging into the topic of emotional generosity and marriage. I didn't think it would be good for me to just tell you how emotionally generous I am, <laughs> but instead for her to tell you the real deal. And so Allison's here uh, with me. Would you welcome her as she comes to uh, share with me? <clears throat> Go ahead and grab this. Well, Allison and I are very, very different people. In fact, uh, when we did our premarital counseling with a pastor that we knew, he had us take a psychological profile as part of this. I know you'll, you'll remember this, babe. And uh, so he got the results back. He had to take it. And he, he comes in, he had a frown on his face. And I said, well, why do you have a frown on your face? And he said, well, you two are the exact opposites on the psychological profile. So here's the situation. Either you're going to find a way to make that work, or you're going to be divorced in 10 years. I was like, gee, thanks, pastor. That was really, that was helpful, you know? There's a marriage researcher. His name is John Gottman. He observed 650 couples over 14 years, and he observed some common characteristics in what he called miserable marriages. And these common characteristics are all the things we would know of. Criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling when you emotionally withdraw, convinced that nothing you ever do will make a difference, whenever people started to have contempt, where they had a harsh tone or rolling their eyes. And if you look at all those behaviors, here's what they have in common. They lack grace and generosity. And at his core, God is grace and generosity. John chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus is speaking, said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Now, normally, when people think of the topic of generosity, they think of money. But generosity is much more than just about money. So today, Allison and I are going to co-teach together. We've never done this before. We'll see how it goes. I'm expecting it's going to be great. And we're going to talk about emotional generosity and marriage. And what does that even mean? And what does it even look like? Now, I want to say this up front we are not positioning ourselves or setting ourselves up as, hey, look at us, because we've got it perfectly figured out. What we're saying is, look at Jesus and look at how he treats his bride, the church, and then try to take those same characteristics and incorporate them in your own relationships. Now, for those of you who are single, maybe you're divorced, widowed, whatever your relational status might be, everything we're gonna talk about is applicable to any other relationship as well. And and you'll see that as we go through our time together this weekend. So we're going to consider emotional generosity, particularly how it applies to marriage, but other relationships as well. Let's consider that. But before we do, let's pray. So God, we thank you for your goodness and your generosity. And we ask now that you would speak to us from your word. Help us see how generous you are to us and how that can be living water that flows into every relationship, including our romantic ones, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. On your way in, hopefully you got a bulletin. If you did, you can flip it to this little center section. You'll see the teaching notes that are there that you can fill out as we go throughout our time together this weekend. If you are a Christian, if you would say, hey, I'm a a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, emotional generosity is not something that you create it's something that you receive from God, and then you allow that to overflow from your life in, in a response from the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, in 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 19, we're told this, we love because he first loved us. So, so we're emotionally generous because God has been so generous to us. And as you might guess, As we grow in emotional generosity, good things happen in our relationships. In fact, the University of Virginia did a study, and they found that the couples who rated themselves happiest in their marriage had this common trait that they were generous towards one another. Generous meaning that they were giving good things to their spouse consistently, freely, and abundantly. Now, when we say good things, we're not necessarily meaning stuff from the store we're talking about stuff from the heart so Allison and i are going to give you five simple ways to be emotionally generous and in fact this really is coming out of a conversation we had we did a a day trip she got me for christmas we were driving back from the day trip and we were talking about being emotionally generous in marriage and i was saying hey i'm going to be teaching on that and we started just talking about how god wants to be that in our life and how we can be that to one another And I said at one point, man, I wish this was recorded and that the whole church could have just heard this. And so really, we just want to invite you kind of into our car ride, you know, as you hear us kind of recap our conversation of of what we believe God is inviting us to and every other couple who says, hey, I, I want to be a follower of Jesus and I want that to impact every area, including my marriage. All five of these simple things begin with the letter A. And so, Allison, why don't you come and share the first one?
4: Hi, CA. What an honor to share with you. The first way to show emotional generosity in marriage is acceptance. Because Christ has accepted us, we can accept one another. In Romans 15, 5 to 7, it says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. The love and and acceptance that I've experienced from Tom over the years has been a source of healing in my life. First and foremost, Jesus Christ has loved and accepted me, but part of the way I have experienced his healing and redemption in my life has been in my marriage to Tom. We love and accept our spouse by knowing their full story, having compassion for them in their hurts and in their wounds, and allowing ourselves to be used by God to write the redemptive story that God is authoring in each of our lives. Part of my story involves abandonment by my biological dad as a child, abandonment that was never explained to me, so of course I assumed it was all about me. My adoptive father has been a huge source of healing in my life, but God has continued that healing through Tom. Before I knew Tom, when someone I was dating would tell me they loved me, I didn't believe it. I thought they loved some idealized version, made up version of me. I would say to myself, but you don't really know me. This was because I believed the lie that I was worthy of rejection, not love. I couldn't imagine that someone would really know me and love me. In case you haven't noticed, Tom Hughes is a pretty persuasive guy. (laughs) He's a pretty confident guy and it's not something he puts on, it's who he is. And so when Tom came along for the first time, things were different. At 22 years old, when Tom said he loved me, For the very first time, I believed it. And I still do every time he says it. The first time I believed it, it was like a little miracle in my life. I remember running upstairs to my parents' bedroom, waking them up out of a deep sleep and saying, he thinks I'm beautiful. (laughs) It's still a miracle to me. Each time I believe Tom's declaration of love and acceptance, even now, it's like a little mini miracle. Because now we've been married 26 years, there's not much more that he can know about me than he already knows. As Tim Keller says in the meaning of marriage, when over the years, someone has seen you at your worst and knows you with all your strengths and all of your flaws, yet commits him or herself to you wholly, it is a consummate experience. To be known but not loved is our greatest fear. To be loved but not known is comforting, but superficial. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like the love of God. Tom knows me and has seen me at my very best and my very worst. He's seen me change over the years and he's loved every version of me. He's made choices to honor me by knowing my story and my heart and working through times of disagreement and always choosing to move toward me and not away from me. That's generous acceptance. Even when it's hard. In marriage, we have a unique opportunity, a divine honor to be a part of God's rewriting and redemption of one another's stories. Marriage has the power to heal and fortify and redeem and restore as we accept one another again and again and never leave or forsake. And as it says in Romans 15:7, that kind of love brings praise to God. Tom?
5: The second thing I would say uh, that we would say is that it's not only about acceptance, it's also about appreciation. Your spouse, if you are married, is a gift from God. The scripture teaches us that. In fact, Genesis tells us that we're all created in the image of God, male and female. He created us. And so when we appreciate one another, we're honoring the image of God and the other person. I want to encourage you, if if you're married, to renew your commitment to never take God's gift for granted. Proverbs 31.10 says, an excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels. The the Hebrew word there translated excellent, it means someone of strength, of of capability, of valor, or of dignity. And the Bible is clear that the Lord creates these types of people, an excellent woman or an excellent man Because it comes from his character being formed in them as they come to know him and as they grow deep roots in him and as they spend time with him. As Proverbs 19.14 says, it says house and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Or Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and it takes favor from the Lord. Why? Because according to Proverbs 31.12, she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Now there are many things that I appreciate about Allison. I think God gave her so many strengths because he knew he was going to bring us together, and she had to compensate for so many of my weaknesses. (laughs) Simply put, Allison makes me want to be a better follower of Jesus. For example, when I go to the grocery store, I go to the grocery store to get food. That's what I do. When Allison goes to the grocery store, she goes to the grocery store to help people experience the love of God. I'm not making this up, I'm not blowing it out of proportion, literally at our local grocery store, the workers brag to one another and even to other customers about how kind she is when she interacts with them. Let me ask you for a moment, if you're married and you think about your spouse, if you're single, you could think about others, maybe a friend you have or or even somebody you're dating, what do you appreciate about them? And then let me ask you, have you told them lately? You know, what I find sometimes in, in myself is that I will appreciate many things about Allison, but I'll think them and I don't always take the time in the hectic, busy schedule to just say, hey, I want you to know that I really appreciate this characteristic about you. Or I really appreciate something you did. Or I really appreciate the way that you handled something. I appreciate Allison's fierce courage, her deep compassion, her constant prayer life, so much that I appreciate her. But I don't want to just think those things. I don't even want to just feel those things. I must tell her. So, what does it look like practically for me to be emotionally generous in my appreciation of Allison? Well, here are a few things that it looks like. Every single morning when I spend time with the Lord, I thank God for Allison in my prayers. And I pray for her daily, not every other day, not every fourth day. I pray for her every single day. And it recenters me every day that she's a gift from God to me. I also try to tell her every single day that I love her. I try to tell her every single day that I'm proud of her and that I believe in her and that I'm grateful for her. I try to tell her those four things every single day we've been married about 26 and a half years 26 and a half years of me saying i love you i'm grateful for you i'm proud of you and i believe in you just think about what that does in someone's life to hear that so consistently to hear that message coming through so often to to a person my other goal is to always speak well about her not only well to her of course that's a given to speak well to her but also to speak well about her when I'm with others. Now, it's easy for me to do because I think Allison is so amazing, but I want to encourage you when you're speaking about your spouse, speak well about them when you're talking to other people. Sometimes I'll speak well about Allison with Allison present, and I know that makes her embarrassed, and she's like, please don't do that, and gets kind of blushed or whatever, but it's like, no, I want people to know that you are highly valued, as God's word says, you're more precious than jewels. You're a gift from God. And I never want to take God's gift for granted. I want to encourage you to do the same. Whoever it is that, that maybe you're you know, married to and you're in a relationship, maybe that's something you do all the time. Maybe it's something that you don't do. And I'll tell you, it might be awkward the first few times you do it. But I want to encourage you, it will pay massive dividends in the person's life. And more importantly, it'll honor God as you seek to honor God in every area of your life, including, obviously, your romantic relational life as well. Allison's going to come and share the third way that we talked about emotional generosity and marriage.
4: So the third way to be emotionally generous in a marriage is attention. We are emotionally generous when we love by seeing, attending, and listening. In Matthew 9, 22, 20 to 22, it says... Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you, and the woman was healed at that moment. This woman was constantly overlooked. To be subject to bleeding in her time meant she was untouchable, unnoticed, avoided, unseen. To be seen, encouraged, and healed by Jesus in that moment was everything. She went from nothing to everything simply because he paid attention to her. We can do the same for our spouse. In marriage, we have the chance to be seen by one another and to be noticed. We have the chance to be valued, listened to, understood. In Psalm 139.13, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Each of us has an innate desire to be known and loved for who we are. We experience that fully and completely in the perfect love of Jesus Christ, in our Father, our Creator, God the Father, in the Holy Spirit, our companion, and our friend. But God has more for us through relationship with one another. In the garden, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. When we pay attention to one another, we are helped by one another. We are fulfilling our God-given call to see, know, love, and attend. To our spouse, I can serve Tom, wash clothes, make meals, help care for the kids, and contribute financially through my work. But if I don't pay attention to him, I'm missing a chance to fulfill a vital part of my call in my marriage. Early on in our relationship, Tom and I took the five love languages quiz, which basically tells you how your spouse gives and receives love, and Tom scored off the charts in time spent together. I know there's nothing more valuable to him than being together, but I have to confess, it's really hard for me to sit still, especially when there's a lot to be done. I show love through acts of service, but though Tom appreciates these things, it's not the best way that I can love him. When we come home, Tom wants me to be still and undistracted and just take a tiny bit of my day to sit with him and when I give him my attention in spite of all the distractions that are pressing in on me, I'm being emotionally generous and loving him well. It seems like a really simple thing to do, but it's really hard when, like, the crowds pressing in on Jesus, there's things to be done. Kids to parent, bills to pay, checkbooks to balance, dogs to walk, soccer games to attend, and home to keep up. But with God's help, we can do it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. Author Jim George wrote, Listening is an act of love. When you listen to people, you are communicating nonverbally that they are important to you. When Jesus turned and saw that woman who touched his garment amidst a whole crowd of people pressing in on him, he loved her. When he paid attention to her, he did something profound before he ever healed her. He let her know that she mattered. Hmm. We do the same for our spouse by generously giving our attention set aside a weekly date night set aside an hour each day to talk or take a walk or watch a movie pray together before you go to bed even if it's just a couple minutes and when we do we are helped by one another just as god intended
5: i think it's hopefully obvious to all of us but if not let me make it explicit that everything we're talking about the street goes both ways right so it's not just that Allison pays attention to me, I'm also called to pay attention to her, right? The fourth point that we would say is this, is that part of being emotionally generous is showing affection. And really what we would say is choose to frame your day with affection. Paul writes to the church in the city of Philippi in Philippians chapter 1, verse 8, he says, For God is my witness, how I long for you, uh, I long for you all, here it is, with the affection of Christ Jesus. Do you know that God feels affection towards you? In fact, Zephaniah tells us that God sings over you because he delights in you so much. Paul's saying, look, there's an affection that Jesus has for his church, and he's now giving me that same affection, and I'm longing for you in that same effective way. Now, what does the word affection even mean? What it actually means from the Greek, the word that's translated affection, what it means is tender attachment, tender attachment. In other words, Christ has a tender attachment for his people. In fact, one of the metaphors that we've been talking about that for the church is the bride of Christ. He doesn't, he doesn't call the church the, the corporation of Christ, the business of Christ. He calls the church the bride of Christ. And Paul is saying, not only does Christ have that affection towards you, but he's given me some of that same tender attachment towards you. So then the closer I am to Christ, the more tenderly attached I become to his people Because the affection of Christ has for his people is now shared with me and then helps me share that with others. Now, this is true within the church, of course, but it has an application being emotionally generous in marriage as well, right? So what do I mean when I say that we want to frame our day with affection? There are four times, four times throughout my day that I can always count on Allison giving me a hug or a quick kiss or a a word of affection or a word of encouragement. And the first time is when we wake up in the morning. The second time is when either she or I are headed out the door for work or whatever else we're doing that day. The third time is whenever we come back together, like, you know, at the end of the day of work or whatever, we're seeing each other again uh, after being apart. And then the fourth time would be uh, before we go to bed at night. Now, what I want you to hear is that it's, it's not long. I mean, it's maybe 15 to 30 seconds of energy and effort each time. Maybe a total of like two minutes throughout the day. But it's anchoring and framing our day with tender affection, and it frames all of the rest of our interactions. So that now, whenever I might say to her, um, "Hey, are, are you picking up you know the kids from school or my, or who's getting groceries?" or who's running to the bank to make that deposit or whatever," that all of that gets handled in the framework of that we're, we're not just business partners. We're not platonic friends who are roommates. We have framed it with the tender affection of God. And we do that every day. Now, I want to mention that sometimes uh, when I talk with a man, the man might say, well, listen, uh, you know, that, that's great that that works for you, but my dad wasn't like that, so I'm not like that. That's how it works in your marriage, but it don't work like that in my marriage because you don't know my dad. Or the wife might say, well, that's great, but but my mom wasn't like that, so I'm not like that. And I want to i really want to press you on this don't get confused i am not telling you to be affectionate because my earthly father was affectionate i am telling you to be affectionate because my heavenly father is affectionate so regardless of whether your biological father was affectionate or not your heavenly father in zephaniah 317 it says the lord your god is with you the mighty warrior who saves he will take great delight in you. When you think about God, do you think He takes great delight in me? He will take great delight in you. In His love, He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. See, we don't just sing to God. God sings over us as well. And it's part of His affection. Allison is going to come and share the fifth and final way that you're able to show emotional generosity in a relationship.
4: So the fifth way to show emotional generosity is action. We love by doing the things we say we'll do and even those that we don't. In Matthew 21, 28 to 31, Jesus tells a parable about two sons that goes like this. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Sometimes action in marriage looks a lot like the first son. We do the things we may not want to do. Our heart may not want to do it. Our flesh may go against it, but we're faithful to act anyway. James 2.26 says, "For the body without the, As the body without the spirit is dead. So faith without deeds is dead also. Our deeds matter. Years ago, Tom and I were in a tough spot in our marriage. As hard as we tried, we weren't able to connect. I'm a words person. I think he is too. But our words were getting us nowhere. So I was in Walmart one day, and I came across this book called The Love Dare. If you remember the game of truth or dare from when you were a kid, this book is truth from God's word combined with daring you to take action because of your love for your spouse. I picked it up, and I brought it home, and I suggested we try it. And Tom agreed. We decided to read on our own and do the dares as they came. This book required action. It required serving one another. It required doing what that first son did, going against what our will or our flesh might want to do, and choosing to obey the heart of God. In John 13, when Jesus finished washing the disciples' feet, he said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. When we think about action, we often think, Well, I'll say I'll do it, and then I'll do it. But sometimes our will might not want to do the very thing that we need to do. We do the act of service first and the action itself changes our hearts toward one another. Some of the dares in this book are things like, do something out of the ordinary today for your spouse, something that proves your love is based on a choice and nothing else. This type of dare forces you to think of that other person. What would matter to them? What would honor them? What would bring them joy and delight? I cleaned out the garage as one of my dares for Tom. And as I swept up the dust and I organized and I I straightened things up, I felt my heart change just a little bit. I started to get excited about how he was going to feel about what I had done. First came the action, and then my heart followed bit by bit. My action took my mind off my own feelings, my own preferences. It forced me to think about Tom and his feelings and his preferences and what would bring delight to his heart. A couple of years ago, apart from any love dare, Tom decided he's going to make our bed every day. So for two or three years, he makes our bed every single day. It's small action, but it honors me. Often he parks his car on the driveway so that I can bring groceries in or easily get the kids loaded up for school, and that honors me. He fills up the Keurig with water every single day. And I don't know if he knows that I notice, But it matters to me. I can get off to school easier to teach first graders because I don't have to fill up the coffee maker. (laughs) Tom tells me, like he mentioned, but I want to say it. He said it every single day. I love you. I'm grateful for you. I'm proud of you. These words are a choice, an action of moving toward me and toward us and our commitment to one another before God. Actions matter. They matter to God, and they matter to our spouse. Whether big or small, we love through our actions, even when we don't feel like it. It's our actions themselves that have the power to change our feelings. So what act of service, big or small, can you do for your spouse today, even when you don't feel like it? It can be hard, but we can do it, and I dare you to try.
5: No, I don't want you to miss this. It only took me 23 years of marriage to start making the bed. So 20, 23 years. 23 years, right? Allison's so gracious, like, he started doing it after 23 years of not doing it. But I won't say that part. Right? Well, listen, I have uh, some, some great news to share. I've been hinting at this the past couple weeks, but I want to explain to you um, an opportunity for you that we're calling A Healthy Marriage Project. And I want to tell you a little bit of a backstory on it, and then I'm going to tell you the logistics on it. So a while ago, I had asked our pastoral staff, like, what do you think, you know, give me some ideas of what you think would help serve the church. And, and a number of pastors said, hey, I think if you did something on dating and marriage and, and all that would be great. And so I was praying that through, I was working through it, I was praying for you all, praying for the church. And um, as I was doing that, I, I just had a sense of like, I know this series will be helpful. But I also know that that it's going to stir up some stuff for people. And I didn't want to just leave it flat. I didn't want it to just be like, well, I stirred all this up. Now, good luck. Hope you can figure it out. And we're moving on to the next series. and And I thought about the impact that wise christian marriage counselors have made in my own life and allison's life as we've uh, had times as i've shared where we've gone to counseling together to strengthen our marriage you know not every time have we gone has it been like oh my gosh where things are not going well sometimes it's like hey we need a tune up we need to we need to kind of we're in a new season of life we didn't have kids now we have kids that changes the rhythm a little bit and and changes kind of how, how we're thinking about life. And so sometimes it was just simply like, hey, this is, let's do this to, to invest in our marriage. And I know that, that if I said to some of you, hey, I think you should consider doing Christian marriage counseling, there would be two hurdles that you would face. The first one, you'd probably tell me truthfully, um, I wish I could, but we can't afford it. Because Christian marriage counseling, any type of counseling, that's not covered by insurance. It's, it's expensive. And the other thing that people tell me is like, well, even I, if I can afford it, like I don't even know where to begin. What do I just like get on Yelp and type in marriage counselor and hope I find a good one? Like how, do, how would that even work? And so I, I had a conversation with the uh, CA management team and they all felt like this was a good idea. So I took it to the CA council and, and they all felt like it was a good idea. And here's what we're offering the leadership of Christian Assembly is offering to pay 80% of the Christian marriage counseling fees for up to 20, 24 sessions for any couple who wants to do them. And we are doing this by partnering with three Christian marriage counseling centers that we've already vetted. So you don't, you're not just thrown out to go find somebody and They're on their 19th divorce, but they're telling you how you should be running your marriage, right? I'm tearing up because God has gone before some of you. Now, here are some questions you probably have. Who is this offer for? This offer is for any couple who attends CA. But also, I want you to hear this. It's also available to any couple that you are friends with who lives locally. Maybe you have an extended family member. They don't attend CA, but they would benefit from this. Maybe you have a coworker or a neighbor who would benefit from this. Now, who will benefit from this? I would say that everyone would benefit from this. Whether your marriage is great, whether it's good, whether it's struggling, this will help you. Plus, all the studies show the ripple effect that happens in a community, not just a church, but in a neighborhood, and a city, when marriages are stronger. Healthier marriages don't just impact the two people that are that are the spouses, it impacts the families, the kids, the schools, the workplaces, the churches in our city. The three Christian marriage counseling centers that we're partnering with can handle a maximum of 100 couples. In fact, when I originally talked to our elders, one of the things I was asking them was about the finances, and I said, well, how much are we willing to put into this? I thought I was being generous. I asked for a million dollars, I asked our elders, will you put a million dollars aside to invest in the marriages of our church? And they all said, yeah, absolutely. And if we need to do more, let us know. I mean, it was like jaw-dropping. Jaw-dropping, yeah. You can applaud God's good work. In fact, it's not even the finances that ended up being the, the, the restricting agency, but it was the fact that we were able to line up enough counselors for the first 100 couples. And so our elders have set aside $300,000 for the first 100 couples. And the centers that if you register, you'll see who the centers are. And if you go to them and you say, I'm here as part of the Healthy Marriage Project with Christian Assembly, they will bill CA directly for 80% of your fees. So you won't even get a bill. There won't be like, oh, I got to save a receipt and get a reimbursement. They're just going to bill us directly, and then you'll just pay your 20%. And we did that. The reason we want you to have 20% is you got to have some skin in the game. Like if you're not going to put anything in to, to, to strengthen your marriage, why should we? Like you got to be willing to go first. And men, let me tell you, whether you're at 1115 North, whether you're online, men, lead the way lead the way. Don't be sitting there thinking, I hope my wife does not want to do this. Like, I just, I hope, I hope she doesn't want to do this. Lead, men. Don't be cowards. Don't be spineless. Lead. Lead and step forward and say, you know, I think this might be good for us. Our marriage is in a good place, but but it might, we might learn a few things that could strengthen us, that could help us. Or our marriage was great, and then all our kids went away, and we realized like, they're, we're empty nesters, and we don't know how to relate to each other. There are pivot points in a marriage where you have to relearn how to communicate in new seasons that happen. Maybe you're in one of those pivot points. But men, I want to call you to lead the way and put your 20% in because you've got to have skin in the game now. Do you have to do 24 sessions? The answer to that is no, you don't have to do anything. This is a gift, but you can do fewer sessions. So maybe, maybe you're thinking like, hey, I, I think if we did six sessions, that would be the minimum number of sessions counselors would tell you to, to make some progress would be six sessions. So maybe you register, you wanna do six sessions or maybe you wanna do 10 or 12 or whatever. So you can do fewer than 24 sessions, but the maximum cap is 24 sessions because that's one session a week for six months. And if you're willing to make that commitment, your marriage, even if it's great, will become greater. If it's good, it will become great. If it's shaky, it will become strong. If it's on the verge of divorce, it could avert the divorce. Now listen, there are three ways for you to get more information, including a document, That we've drafted that has all the questions that we anticipated you might have that i don't have time to go through right now as well as you will get the the list of the three counseling centers the first way that you can do it is there's a qr code in your bulletin so if you grab this and you flip into this section and it says the healthy marriage project if you later on you take your phone out and put it over that qr code it'll take you directly to the web page on our website That you can register the second way that we're having making it possible for you to register is by texting the word marriage to the to a phone number right there the phone number is 626-550-3636 and if you text even right now the word marriage to that phone number it won't register you but what it'll do is it'll give you the link to the registration where you can read through all the document and all the questions that are all there. And then if you decide, hey, we want to do this, then you'll be able to register. The third way would be through our website. You can go to cachurch.com forward slash healthy marriage. That phone number, I want to encourage you to write down because your friend, your family member that you're thinking of that might benefit from this, they're not going to have the QR code and our website has a million pages on it. So write down that phone number and tell them look hey if you're interested in this you you can text and they might say well i'm not even christian you don't have to be christian to do this but you need to know that the counseling is coming from a christian perspective it's biblical christian marriage counseling you can use any of those three means and you'll get a link that will give you the documents that will answer your questions and then If you decide to register, you would then fill out the registration form. You'd pick which center you want to go to, and you would call them directly. You'd tell them that you're doing this with Christian Assembly, and you would schedule directly with them whenever you're going to go start meeting with them to do your sessions. Make sense? Now, here's the deal. Pay attention to this part. I know we've been sharing a lot, but registration opens now. But it will close when we hit 100 couples. Or it will close on March 10th, whichever comes first. March 10th is the end of this series. In other words, the maximum amount of time that you have to make this decision is 15 days. So don't wait. And if we have a large response, I have no idea if we're going to have zero people respond or if we're going to have a lot of people want to respond. I'm praying we have a lot. But if we have a large response it might close faster. And when it closes faster, don't email me or call me and say, well, I, you know, I was sitting on the fence. and Well, get off the fence. I'm telling you right now, get off the fence. First come, first serve. Don't delay. Your marriage is too important. Your friend's marriage, your, your extended family member's marriage, that lives locally. Why am I saying lives locally? Well, because the counseling centers, because of the way licensing works and all the rest, You know, they, they can't counsel your family member who lives in New Hampshire. Like they're gonna have to figure that out or, or you can help them figure that out in New Hampshire. But if they live locally, this is for them as a way to, to reach out to them. But it's also for you. Your marriage is too important. Your friend or family member, extended family member, Cousin, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, co-worker, their marriage is too important for you to not tell them about this offer. This is the first time we've ever done this in the history of our church. I don't know if we'll ever do it again. So that means you need to strike while the iron's hot. And men, lead the way. Let's pray. So God, we thank you for, I'm I'm even moved to tears, God, thinking about your generosity to us. And we pray, God, that you would help us to connect with you and be emotionally generous to one another out of an abundant overflow of how you've worked in our life. And so, Lord, now I ask that you would just stir hearts and minds to say, hey, I want to be part of this, I want to have a stronger marriage. I want to take a great marriage and make it greater, a good marriage and make it great, a struggling one and make it strong. I want to take one that's on a verge of divorce and I want God to write a different story. And it's gonna take some energy and time and some prayer and humility. But with God, all things are possible. That's what Jesus says. And so, God, I pray for all the relationships in our church and all the relationships that we're connected to, that you would breathe fresh health and fresh goodness out of the abundance of your generosity, in Jesus' name, amen. Jacob, would you lead us?